Well, good morning, Wilshire. It's good to, to be with you once more. I almost said it's good to see you again. I'm not seeing anybody, just this camera, but uh, it's good to be with you again. I gotta tell you, I'm tired of being in my house and I wish I could be with you directly. I know you wish that as well, but this is a comfort to me. Uh, it's nice to know that when I'm in my home and having a chance to sing and pray and hear scripture and study, that you're there too. And uh, we're having fellowship, uh, even by remote control, as we're doing. Thank you for all your kind comments about us uh, in this uh, time. In particular, thanks to Jeremy Beller, who's working so hard to put all this together and edit it and get it online for us in a timely way. Uh, we are grateful for that. I hope you're keeping yourself safe. I hope you're praying, reading your Bible, taking care of your loved ones. Uh, we're being told, wear a mask. I think you should do that, even if you have to tie a handkerchief around your neck like an old-fashioned movie bandit. Uh, that's going to be better than nothing. The really good masks, the 95% masks, they should be kept for the healthcare professionals. And by and large, they will be. Um, but uh, if, if whatever you can do to cover your face, that's going to help some, and you should do that when you go outside. We're going to continue in our study, and we are actually to a really crucial moment uh, in the events in the life of Jesus. We are to the crucifixion, uh, this set of stories. We've had the, the different men read the long passage about how this takes place. So I'm just going to focus in on a few passages here, uh, starting in verse 32, chapter 27, verse 32 just the events that take place while Jesus is on the cross. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. When he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he wants to. For he said, I'm the son of God. There you have the events that begin to unfold on the cross. This is what Jesus didn't want to have happen to him, being put on the Roman cross. He didn't want to endure this. But he chose to say yes to God's will rather than his own. He chose to pay the price uh, rather than to serve his own fear or his own desires. The story of Christianity is a complicated story. There are simpler stories probably that we could tell ourselves. The story of Christianity says this world, even though it's filled with really many good things and, and there's more good in it than bad, it's got evil. And the evil is real. 
and you can't turn a blind eye to it. That's what Christianity tells us at its core. And this story of the cross drives that home to us in this very painful way. It's possible for us to just pretend that there's no evil, or at least to turn a blind eye to it, to cross on the other side, to, to ignore or to anesthetize ourselves. There are chemical and electronic ways for us to stop feeling the pain, at least temporarily, of evil in the world. But Christianity says, no, we need to do something about it. We are called to do what we can to make the world a better place. And here we see Jesus taking up that challenge. When humans try to overcome evil, they usually do two things, neither one of which works. Human beings, when they faced with evil, they will resort often to the revenge option. It's kind of instinctual with us. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You curse me out, I'm going to curse you out. We've already seen Jesus when he is insulted, he doesn't answer back. He's like a lamb before his shearers, as Isaiah 53 says. He doesn't give answer. He doesn't insult back. He doesn't hit back. He could. He could have destroyed everyone who was hurting him. He refuses the revenge option here. The other option that sometimes humans will take is the dominion option, the domination option. I'll get so much power, so much overwhelming force that you'll be afraid to do anything but what I want. I will make you do the right thing as I define the right thing. This is the option that governments follow and police forces follow and, and so forth. Armies follow this. Uh, and we know it doesn't work all that well. Uh, there are a few problems it can solve mostly. Uh, there are many problems it just cannot address because evil leaks out. It leaks around the outside of any dominion system that's set up. And probably worse, it leaks into any dominion system that humans set up so that the people who are wielding the power supposedly for good can begin to be tempted to wield it for their own benefit or for evil purposes and, and to do damage in that way. Jesus doesn't take either of these options. He doesn't model either of these options. Here on the cross, what does he model? He models the third option, the God option, which is, I will overcome evil. I will address it and overcome it through sacrifice. In other words, I will overcome it by accepting the pain and refusing to pass that pain back into the world. I will overcome evil with good. When Jesus preached, turn the other cheek. When Jesus preached, love your enemies, he means it. And the cross tells us that he means it when he says we are to overcome evil without stooping to doing evil and of our own. And so here he is on the cross. He could have uh, taken revenge, but instead he does this. He does it by trusting himself to God. I want you to notice verse 43. He trusts in God, but God deliver him. And that's what the chief priests and elders mock Jesus with. Actually, words from Psalms 22. Hope you'll study that. I've encouraged you to in our study sheet for today. He trusts in God. That's right. Jesus can do what he's doing because he has laid himself in the hands of God. God will take care of me. I don't have to take care of myself. I can let this happen to me because in the end, God will take care of me. The story continues. 
bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. About three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, well, this man's calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let's see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of their tombs, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now, when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and they said, truly, this man was God's son. There you have the story. Because Jesus trusted in God, he opened the way to God's kingdom. I think that's the takeaway from all those strange events that happen when Jesus trusts God to the very end. He trusts God all the way to death. Then the kingdom is opened up. What does it mean? The sky is dark. What does it mean that the veil in the temple is torn, that veil that symbolizes our separation from the holy God? What does it mean that the tombs are open? And that the dead are raised, even if just momentarily in these few days around these events. What does that mean? All of that symbolizes what's going to come permanently when the kingdom of God takes over the entire universe. We're getting a little foretaste, and that's brought about by Jesus being willing to put himself in the hands of God. So, church... What do we think the message is? I think it's pretty clear. We've got a savior, Jesus Christ, who put himself in the hands of God. He didn't try to protect himself. He said, God will take care of me. And he was willing to do whatever it took to deal with evil. We can't do what Jesus did, but we don't have to. We've been given tasks of our own. We've been given little slices of evil to deal with in our own lives. And here's how we can do it. Trust in God. I don't have to protect myself. God will take care of me. I don't have to always get my own back. God will take care of me. I don't have to always answer people who have said terrible things about me. God will take care of me. I can trust in God. And when I put my trust in God, then I have the strength and I have the confidence in order to overcome evil. Have a blessed week. Take care of yourself.